0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Balanced Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Dave Sherwin is a certified fitness coach, entrepreneur, and practitioner of mindfulness and meditation. He is also a fellow Level 1 Precision Nutrition coach, which is one of my absolute favorite certifications. I just cannot say enough great things about Precision Nutrition. They're an amazing company. Dave is the owner of Derobi Health, which since 2009 has helped over 100,000 people lose weight and achieve better health. Dave has used hard work, nutrition, supplementation, and science to obtain a high level of fitness in his own life. He is also the host of the successful podcast, The Derobi Health Show, which covers a wide range of topics related to health and wellness. Dave's passion is helping grown-ups navigate business and life challenges to achieve their best health and wellness at any age. Dave Sherwin, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to Balance Body Radio. I'm
1: excited to be here. I love your podcast as well. We're both enthusiasts with a lot of shared
0: values and ideas. So this is going to be great. Yeah, Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm super excited to talk to you. I've been following your work for quite a while now, and I really love it. Um, you're calling in from the Utah County kind of Provo area of Utah. Is that correct? Provo, Utah, the one and only. Man. Okay. So you are deep, deep into <laughs> enemy territory. I'm going to ask you the first question. <laughs> if you get this wrong, this might be a really, really uh, short podcast. Do you bleed red or do you bleed oh, man. blue? <laughs>
1: um you know my interest in that regard has gone down significantly the last few (laughs) years uh and and you gotta understand i'm a transplant to utah i was raised in canada i'm kind of a hybrid i i i grew I, i was raised in i was born in england raised in canada moved to utah after i was married and didn't like football so okay, fair, <laughs> enough. <laughs> fair
0: enough
1: fair enough that that being said my whole family are cougar fans and so uh you know I've got to go blue if you're gonna f- Pushed
0: me into a corner. There you go. But that's about it. <laughs> and this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. We'll see you later. No, I'm just kidding. It's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for the listener, like, if, if you don't understand like Utah culture, like, it's such a big, we call it the Holy War. And it's the difference between, you know, the, the Salt Lake area and the University of Utah versus BYU, which is, you know, maybe 30, 40 uh, miles south. And it, it's funny, like, the rivalry used to be this big thing and there was a lot of really ugly behavior. But you're right. It's kind of taken the edge off in the last few years and not really as much of a thing anymore, which I, I really appreciate. I'm glad it's not so cutthroat like it used to be. Uh,
1: yeah. And frankly, part of the reason why my interest has waned is because of tribalism. Generally, I know that when it comes to football, that's a pretty mild form of tribalism. But but fact is, our world's just getting so much more fragmented. People are just, it's us against them. And and so in, in a lot of areas of my life, I've tried to just kind of step back from things that are highly emotionally charged and And part of that is coming from a position of nutrition, right? Where nutrition is no different than anything else. You got these people that are just true believers in their thing. It's the ultimate thing. It might as well be a religion, uh, you know, low carb, paleo, uh, keto. I mean, just name the named diet. And they just think it's the be all end all of, of health. And that's true, whether you're a football fan or you're into nutrition or you're into a certain way of exercising. And frankly, In my world, I've had to spend time stepping back from that and helping other people step back from that and really get personal about what really is going to work best for you. And so when it comes to almost anything where there's a high level of emotion and attachment, I'm kind of stepping back.
0: Man, that is so well explained and I love that so much. It is so easy to get just way too into one thing and the us versus them mentality, like you said, I love that approach and I I really respect that and think that's the best way to go. Um, You have such an interesting story that I really love to hear. So you've really moved around a lot. I'd I'd love to hear like what it was like growing up and how you became interested in health as your life uh, kind of evolved.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I grew up in a small town in Canada, um, not far north, so it wasn't like, uh, you know, the the, the snowy uh, Alaskan landscape a lot of people picture. We were just a couple hours north of Seattle, but um, I grew up in the outdoors. I loved, you know, being outside, hiking, fishing, camping, Um, and I was kind of a really shy and kind of backwards kid. I didn't have a lot of friends and was pretty, you know, insecure. But when I was about you know, seventh grade, a bunch of kids were outside trying to dunk a small ball on the short hoop, you know, and, um, and none of them could do it. I was taller than them. And I was like, Hey, could I try, you know? And, and I went up and I could dunk this small ball on, on the like seven foot hoop or whatever it was. And at the time it was like a thing I could do that other people couldn't do, which kind of gave me this boost of confidence. I started playing basketball and although I never became a great player, I finally made the high school team and playing basketball and my experience with athletics helped me really come out of my shell, develop more confidence, uh, overcome being a really awkward, physically, you know, uncoordinated kid to developing some skills. And I was introduced to lifting weights and I took programs on increasing my, my jump and and all those things were really transformative in my teenage years. And I've had a love of health and fitness ever since.
0: Mm, that's great. That's such a cool story. Did you know you wanted to make that a career or did that evolve later on? I did
1: not. As a matter of fact, it never crossed my mind it would be a career. I've always been entrepreneurial. And I, I got a job in summer sales. If you don't know what that is, you know, a group of like group of like college kids go to a certain area and sell pest control or insulation or, or, um, you know, alarm systems or whatever. And I did that, uh, another fascinating experience because it was really against, you know, who I was like to go out there knocking on doors and, and cold calling, uh, scared the crud out of me, but I was able to there too have some success and, and, um, and, and when I, you know, getting that first commission check, any of you who've ever been a sales rep on a commission where you finally get a sale and you make money, like, you know, you're like eating what you kill, so to speak. Uh, it's kind of a rush. And from there I developed an entrepreneurial kind of a, a vein, but it was never in health and fitness. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I, I ended up, uh, building up and selling a company, uh, in 2001 and then, uh, got into e-commerce in 2003, which was back when no one knew what they were wow. doing. This yeah, is seriously. very early. Wow! And, and, uh, I didn't even know how to send and receive email very well, but I just caught this vision that there was going to be a world of e-commerce where everything, uh, pr- that could be done online would be done online. And I went down to Las Vegas for this show and, um, uh, an, an event where they were training on, on e-commerce and how to move products online. And, and I did that. And I, I've, I've done that ever since. I've been a consultant. I've had my own businesses, but it wasn't until a massive business failure. Actually, we were hacked by, by uh, a group of hackers in India in 2009. And a business that I had going very successfully at that time was destroyed. And it was a, a terrible wow. experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But wow. uh, Uh, At that time, uh, a good friend of mine, Dan, said, Dave, why don't you just start a supplement business? Like, go into supplements. You're an e commerce guy, you're a health guy, you take a bunch of supplements, you're always talking about supplements. Just develop your own line and go sell them. And he actually made a few connections, helped me make some connections and get started. And in 2010, Um, The company that we started at that time, which is, Dairobi is is the evolution of that. um, Just, it it started to be quite successful. We're doing over $100,000 in sales within the first six months of developing our first product. And so I haven't looked back and we've just carried on and it's gotten to be more and more fun. And I've worked on my own, you know, got certified, as you mentioned, and tried to get get, uh, on the, the various periodicals where I can understand the latest science Uh, in nutrition and supplementation especially. And so it it took me many years to come around to where I made my living in health, Uh, but it was such a perfect fit because I was able to marry my love of business with my love of health. So it's been fantastic.
0: Wow. Isn't it so funny when you look back on your life and reflect on, you know, the big moments and, you know, what appears to be a failure or a massive setback or things that don't really work out, but that- makes the way for something new and even better. Like what an amazing thing to have happen. That must have felt horrible at the time getting hacked, but to set you up to do what you love to do, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation.
1: Uh, Yeah, it's actually an interesting principle. There's a name for this and social scientists tell us that as human beings, we tend to have this belief that things happen for a reason, right? Now we can't generally prove that, uh, but generally speaking, when negative things happen, as human beings, we are able to take those things often and turn them into a positive. And so, I think that that belief that things happen for a reason and that massive failures can turn into massive successes is just a healthy way to think and pursue things. And, and it's tough. I mean, I I won't sugarcoat. It. I mean, we're making a great living. We went from making a great living to being bankrupt in six weeks, wow. and and I'm that that was just absolutely horrific. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, but like you said, look. looking back, um, it was really only one year about of really serious pain. And one year later, I had a much better business. It was crazy.
0: That's amazing. Wow. What a cool story. I love that. Another thing that I really love about your business, uh, your website is definitely a great example of this. Your podcast is an excellent example of this. You don't just focus on one thing. Like you could have made this company that's all about supplementation and really ignored everything else, but you cover such a vast range of topics. It's not always just one thing that you talk about. So can you, can you talk about why you feel that's really important to not get so myopic and just focus on the one thing like supplements or just focus on nutrition or whatever?
1: Yeah, exactly. So while I make my living in supplements, I mean, they're, they're called supplements for a reason. What exactly are they supplementing? And there's a, a principle in psychology called compensation. And it's when you find a solution in one area, you might compensate in a negative way by uh, becoming more lax in another area. Supplements are a good example of that. Sometimes people are sold on a supplement that, is, that promises weight loss, for example. And so they start taking that supplement. And when it comes dinner time, and they're out with their friends and they want to order the uh, the salad, you know, say, say a, a salmon salad uh, and everyone else is getting pizza. They go, oh, well, I'm taking that weight loss supplement so I can have the pizza. Yay. Wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's called compensation. And um, when I learned that, I thought, you know, if I'm going to sell supplements, I want them to be effective. And if they're going to be effective, people can't be taking my supplements and then having a crappy diet. That's not gonna work. And so that was what led to me getting a certification in nutrition. And then I've always loved fitness. So as far as fitness goes, while I'm not a certified fitness coach. We teach people to be fit. Of course, we promote general fitness. And so we we have experts in fitness on our show, et cetera. And I, I love to talk about health and fitness, but if you're eating well and you're active, and then you have supplements to fill in the nutritional deficiencies you can't get from diet, that's like three legs of a stool to me. And so this is why I try to cover the broad range. and I try to keep it really, although my podcast is it's, it's very, very broad, and any area of health is really fair game. Um, the starting point really is nutrition, fitness, and supplementation, and uh, to support those other two. And I, I just feel like I say it's a stool. and and when you have those three things, you've got a solid, fitness and and lifestyle stool you can sit on, but any one of them won't do it alone.
0: Mm, I love that approach. I couldn't agree any more with that. I look at supplements the same way. And I think that's a great way to look at it. That's a great way to approach it. You can't, you can't have perfect health, all of those things being components and using supplementation to fill in the gaps, I think is great. I was not familiar with that concept of, um, compensation. You, you just taught me a lot about that. That makes perfect sense to me. I, again, wasn't familiar with it, but I I can see that all the time. I'm taking vitamin C, so I guess I don't need to, you know, go work out today or whatever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And we all do it. It's human nature. It's one thing to to, uh, say, you know, everyone else does this stuff. We all do it. You know, you do. I do. I mean, we have to accept that we're human beings. We're we're flawed. We're imperfect. We make many, many mistakes. And and this is another um, social science thing I'm fascinated with. I'm sure you're familiar with some of the studies on moral behavior or how well people think they drive. For example, people in prison who've committed horrific crimes when they're given a morality test, they actually think that there are better people than people outside of prison. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Mm. They think that morally they're a little superior. It's the same with people who have been at fault at multiple car accidents. When polled, they feel like they're as good or better a driver as any other driver on the road.
0: I've heard that before.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting social science. And, and to me, um, the, the lesson here is for, the, the lesson is a lesson of humility. It's okay, that's fine for people in prison, but what about me? Where in my life am I making excuses or lying to myself, right? Uh, it's part of, you alluded to me being a practitioner of mindfulness and meditation. Uh, this is one of the reasons why when you really, you know, when you, when you really spend time in meditation and go to some retreats and really, you know, um, read the literature and listen to the podcasts What you find out is your own complexity, your own uh, mind and how it's working and what you're thinking, some of your repetitive bad habits, for example, some of the stories you tell yourself that are uh, simply negative or old or scripts that we rerun in our mind over and over and over. So to me, all of this is part of a massive personal science experiment that is life, right? And, And, you know, why do we want to be really healthy? Well, so that we have a wonderful life. And a wonderful life involves everything. Uh, you know, our, our body is critical to that. Of course, we can't have a wonderful life if we're not fit and vibrant and have the energy and strength to do the things we want to do. From there, it's well, what is it exactly I want to do I want to do? Uh and then we have relationships and 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 money to manage and, and all of these things that, that, that we're trying to put together into an extraordinary life right and the reason why i love health and fitness is that's the basis of it every joy we experience in our life is within our body within our good healthy body if you're we've all been sick we know what it's like to be sick when we're sick we're at our worst we, we can't get out and do the things we want to do we're no good to anybody else we can't get out and serve we we can't be there for the people we love so having a, a really extraordinary life starts with a healthy body
0: man I love that that's so well explained I'm so glad you went there um there's just there's so many topics that we could really dive into and and your philosophies about them I which I, I love and really want to hear about but I I wanted to today kind of deep dive into one that you you really seem like you're an expert on and that that is aging I would love to learn what what things are we thinking about aging that that maybe so many people around us are experiencing. So we just go around thinking they're normal when they're absolutely not normal for aging. What, what, what are some things that we can be thinking about as far as addressing the concern with aging?
1: Such a good question. Well, back to what I said about taking care of your body, right? So uh, one of the concepts that um, physical therapists and people who study biomechanics are teaching us is a theory that there are only so many cycles. Like you, you know how... In business, let's say that there's a company that makes hinges, and those hinges have to open and close. Let's say it's for a large, heavy door at the front of a, a commercial building, and that hinge is has to open and close and open and close all day long. They might take a machine that opens and closes the hinge tens of thousands of times to test how many cycles are in that hinge, and that's part of their quality control. And so that they can sell that hinge and know that they can offer such and such a, a guarantee and that they can they can charge such a price because they expect it to last the lifetime of the building and maybe it has a million cycles. Well, there's a theory that that's true with our body, that there are so many beats in our heart. Uh, as a matter of fact, we know that that number is about a billion. And that's true for almost all mammals, by the way. Um, a very small mammal has a very, very fast heartbeat. And after about a billion beats, their life is over. The same is very close to true with a human being. Don't know if you've ever heard that, but our heart has approximately a billion beats in it if
0: we take care of it. Are you familiar with that concept? Mm, I have heard that before, but the way you just elaborated it was fantastic.
1: Okay, so let, let's say that there's truth to that, right? And um, that, that it's true with our knees and our ankles and our shoulders that there are so many cycles that we can do in a in a healthy way and, and, and that eventually we're going to die. Well, the, the point to me is, first of all, to make sure we're optimizing the cycles. So when it comes to the heart, one of the things we know is that when we're very fit, our heartbeat is slower, right? So a healthy person, their heart might only beat it 55 beats per minute. And a person who's unhealthy might have 70 beats a minute. If it's true that you have a billion beats, the person with the lower heart rate is going to live longer.
0: That's right. Right. Yeah.
1: Again, this is theoretical. It's fairly new. We haven't had multiple generations of people live through this and test it, but it certainly makes intuitive sense to me and certainly something to think about. At the same time, as we look at elderly people, one of the things that often happens with people who don't take good care of themselves and don't have a fitness regimen, especially, or who have a fitness regimen but don't move their body very well, bad posture, uh, they they don't they can't go into a deep squat, they don't have mobility, uh, is that they wear out those joints, and so uh, people end up in a wheelchair prematurely, or have to spend their last few years in a jazzy, or God forbid, in bed, completely sedentary. So. These are some of the negative images that we look at as we consider longevity. And so now if we back up and think, okay, if I want to live longer, I need to have a healthy heart. If it's true that I got a billion heartbeats and I can get my heart rate from 60 beats a minute to 50 beats a minute, that's a significant increase in lifespan.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I think and, that's a really interesting way of thinking of things. I, I Again, I, I don't know that that's ever been proven true, but I'd like it. I I'm, I'm into that. Makes a lot of sense.
1: It's fairly new biology. It is theoretical. But the thing about it is that we can that we can absolutely trust, even if it proves out to be wrong over the years, is that we have a better life when we take care of our heart anyway. Right? It doesn't make sense to not work on our cardiovascular health because our current life is better when we work on our cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. The same is true with our movement. If we want to live long, we want to do it without hip problems, without knee problems, without shoulder problems. To do that, we have to move our bodies properly. Are you familiar with the book, Becoming a Supple Leopard by Kelly Sturette?
0: It's about uh, eight inches away from my knee right now.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I love that book. I think Kelly Sturette is the man when it comes to this. I literally started going up and down stairs differently, like just walking. I'm not talking about running stairs or some kind of workout. I'm talking, I I tend to have bad posture. I tend to not move very well. Uh, when I was doing CrossFit for a while there, I, I, I really appreciated great coaches who'd watch me because I feel like I was moving correctly. And they go, no, no, Dave, you got to have your back like this. And they would help me and I'd turn sideways and look in a mirror. And, and so you have. we have to have great posture. We have to move our shoulders properly. We've got to move our hips properly and we got to stay mobile and active. And if we don't do that, then, you know, living longer, is not going to be that great? If, like I said, if we need a jazzy to get around the last few years.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's such a great point. And I want to kind of deep dive into that a little bit more because I think when people hear the word cardiovascular health, they think cardio, which means they think, okay, I got to go to the gym. I got to get on the elliptical until it says I burned 500 calories and I'm going to leave the gym, a big sweaty mess. And I've got to do that every single day for the health of my heart. But if we're, if we're also talking about, you know, the idea that your heart can only beat so many times, you know, within a certain timeframe, that would seem to be more counterproductive. What, what types of activities do you feel like are the best for people to do? And what things should people maybe think about avoiding?
1: It's been said that the heart is dumb. Now this is not in relationship matters, but in health matters, the heart is dumb. It doesn't care what you're doing as long as it's elevated for at a healthy rate for a certain period of time. So I don't like the elliptical. I like your example of getting on the elliptical and burning 500 calories, because that sounds sucky, right? Oh, I awful. don't <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> 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 right. Uh, and so, um, we we can get our heart rate up however we want. It doesn't care as long as we elevate our heart rate for a sustained period of time. Now, one of the things that we're finding out again through nutritional or through exercise science is that it appears at the moment that the very best type of workout for the average person to do are HIT workouts, high-intensity interval training, because they help raise your strength. And they're doing cardio because you're elevating your heart rate through the entire time. It's multiple disciplines generally. So you're working on mobility. So doing high intensity interval workouts is a fantastic way to work on your cardio and everything else all at the same time. And great news, these are readily available and they're free on YouTube. There's tons of them. So you can find something you enjoy. My wife likes dance style workout videos she's got a playlist she watches pop sugar and there's all kinds of great playlists on YouTube and she maintains phenomenal health doing it in an enjoyable way sometimes she's doing like the kickboxing ones and sometimes it's more zumba but she's doing stuff she loves she enjoys watching the other women who are leading these things and following along and doing it and listen to their instruction and it's super easy you just hit play and you go and you can get a great workout now for me, I don't enjoy that kind of workout. And frankly, I mentioned earlier, I'm not that coordinated. And so I I can't dance. Right. And so I I sometimes try to do this stuff with her and I I just look stupid. Like I can't follow what they're doing. Right. I'm more of a basic movement kind of a person.
0: Where is that? Does that video exist on YouTube? I would watch that.
1: (laughs) No, no, it would be terrible.
0: Uh, You mean of me trying to, (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah, yeah, no, it'd be terrible. I'll tell you what I like, and this is going to sound strange because a lot of people are going to go, really? I like a rowing machine. Hmm. And so I I do quite a bit of rowing. Um, And I'll give you an example, like my my workout this morning, um, I worked on strength. So, so, uh, and so what I did, I warmed up with 2000 meters on my rowing machine, which gets your whole body going, right? Gets that heart rate up like we talked about. Now the heart rate is elevated. And the rest of my workout was strength. And I had just three things I was doing, five sets of pull-ups, five sets of dips, five sets of, of uh, chest press, right, into rings. So, you know, I, I'm, you, you know how you can get down into rings and do like a push-up? It's quite hard, yeah, but it's just using your body weight. Um, I like that motion because it's really working on the shoulders and it's body weight and and there's balance in there and all the little supporting muscles are getting worked. Um, and I have a hitting mat. Uh, I'm a golfer. love to golf. And I've got a hitting mat in my garage. And so I did 2,000 meters on the on the machine. And then I do a set of dips. Then I hit 10 balls into the mat. Just That's kind of just like my in-between. But the heart rate doesn't drop all the way down right? So I hit 10 balls and then I do pull-ups. I hit 10 balls and then I do the chest press. And I just cycle through that routine five times. And meantime, what it's doing is for my my golf game, I'm learning to swing the club when I'm like under pressure, breathing hard. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like if I was in a tournament, I'd be nervous, you know, and my, my heart would be racing. And so that might be like a really bizarre thing to to some of you guys listening, but I got to take a break anyway. You know, I got to take a short break between these different exercises. And so I go and I hit a few balls. So that's just my own personalized way of working out. Um, I kept my heart rate up. It took me an hour to complete that workout I just described. So again, the heart is dumb. It doesn't care whether I was swinging golf ball, swinging the golf club or on the rowing machine or doing pull-ups. It doesn't care. Mm. It's just happy that I've elevated the heart rate for an hour. So I got my cardio while working on strength while working on my golf game.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Wow. I love that you brought, um, the pressure and the breathing, um, into the mix. I, I think that is super valuable. Have you noticed over the years that your breathing has changed? Are you breathing more like, like nasal breathing at higher heart rates or have you noticed anything like that? Or, Or have you noticed that that helps you with your golf game as well?
1: Back when I was a serious runner, I read the book Running on Air. Are you familiar with that?
0: That I am not familiar with.
1: Phenomenal book. I'd highly recommend it to anyone, even if you're not a runner. But what I did is I retrained myself to run while breathing only through my nose. And what he has you do is, is is and it's a deeper breathing. It's into your diaphragm. It's it's just a better way of breathing. Of course, in mindfulness and meditation, there's a lot of focus on Good quality deep breathing,
0: hmm.
1: and uh, and so that's something that I absolutely, I'm glad you brought that up. I absolutely try to focus on deep breathing. Um, I try to breathe through my nose as much as possible. Um, when I train myself to to run long distances, only breathing through my nose, it took me quite a long time. It's actually quite hard to do. I had to slow down quite a bit. In that book, you go on on certain runs where you you literally do not open your mouth, and so if if you're if you you want to pant. You got to just slow down, maybe even walk for a little bit and then start running again. Mm. And man, did I ever have to slow down to retrain myself to breathe in really deeply through uh, through my nose. And, but but I found, but I think for my lungs, it was super good for me to go through that process. Mm,
0: I could not agree more with all of that. And it is extremely uncomfortable when you're just getting started with that and you realize you really can't go more than like 10 or 15 seconds nose breathing while performing an activity when you first get started. It's it's not comfortable, but it's amazing as it improves and how it like leaches onto all other types of activities in your day-to-day life. I, I couldn't be more of a fan. I think that's amazing.
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, times of stress, if you're getting a little wound up, if you're getting angry, if you got some road rage coming on while you're driving, any of these things that are going on in your life, I'm telling you, take five really deep breaths through your nose and watch what happens. It's amazing.
0: That's so cool. I love that. You have already mentioned strength training, which I'm a huge fan of, and I would love if you could explain why strength training is so, so, so important as we age, because I don't think... A lot of people think of it the right way. They think of your strength training. You are going to be a bodybuilder. You're adding bulk. You're adding tons of muscle. And why would you want that as you age? Can you explain why strength training itself is so important for aging?
1: You know, a few years ago, I was reading about strength training for women, and I was fascinated to learn the relationship between strength training and lack of osteoarthritis. Osteoarthritis is a major problem in aging women. And women who strength train have a dramatically lower chance of getting osteoarthritis um, or osteoporosis. But I was reading about that, and it turns out, for all you women listening, I believe from everything I've read that strength training for women is more important for aging and longevity than it is for men. And one of the reasons why is the simple difference between amount of testosterone versus estrogen. And so there's a a natural strength that comes for men that we just cheated to get, right? Just We happen to be a man, we have more testosterone, and hence we have more strength. Women who don't do strength training are more likely uh, to have brittle bones as they get older and develop other types of problems. So that was really an eye-opener to me. Now, back to what I talked about, about just general lifestyle. Life is better if you're strong, right? If you got a choice... Between having someone in your corner who's strong and someone who's not strong, you're going to pick the strong person for all kinds of different activities, right? Um, There are certain things we want to do in our lives that require strength, and that may simply be carrying something heavy or your neighbor's car doesn't work and needs to be pushed out of the way. So there are times in life where we're called upon to use our strength. But generally speaking, keeping up our strength is also important for what I talked about, about avoiding the wheelchair or the jazzy later on, our strength supports our joints, right? And it's our joints. We're really trying to keep flexible and, and uh, keep that cartilage intact and move well so that we're not wearing things out or moving in a way that is, you know, hurting our joints and the strength around all of those joints is critical to proper movement and strength and then uh, mobility as well. So, so for me, it's also, and it's also a looks thing, right? You, when you're strong, you tend to look better, you, you know, and, and let's face it while longevity is critical. What, you know, we all want to look better. We all want to look our best. We all love it. When someone says, dang, you look good. And that happens, right? We you know, People lose 20 pounds and their friends say, well, you're looking really good. Have you lost some weight? That's a great feeling that we all want to have is other people notice that we're doing something proactive to improve ourselves, whether it's generate more strength or look a little bit leaner, lose some weight. So for our looks, for longevity, for the support of our muscular uh, skeleton system, uh, strength is is vital. And then, of course, for our life, to have strength means we can do things when we're called upon to do things that require strength.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm reflecting as you're saying this about something that you said earlier and I'm thinking about, you know, the areas on the planet where people tend to live a little bit longer and you hear all these stories about these these 90-year-old Greek grandmas carrying pots of soup up and down like really steep stairs to serve to their families and you mentioned the ability to serve. Which I think is so underrated. We we just think, you know, we can go around and help people all the time, but once we lose our health, we lose the ability to serve other people. And I'm just thinking about this grandma who's strong enough to take these pots of soup up and down the stairs, but what, what about the experience that she gets as a reward for that? She gets to have dinner with her family and serve them the meal that she cooked. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better than that.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, and that's why functional strength training has become so popular in the last couple decades. You know, functional strength just literally means uh, the strength to do those daily tasks that we need to do, whether it's lifting a bag of rice uh, and carrying a fifty pa- or a fifty pound bag of, of flour from the trunk into the house, or lifting a child uh, up, or or even playing with children, and then of course grandchildren. Right. So this is the other thing is, do we want to be, you know, I've, I've got five grandchildren. I want to be active and have fun with those grandchildren for as long as I possibly can. I want to be able to pick them up. Right. And and so as we get older, these are the simple little things of life that we take for granted now that we won't take for granted when we get into our seventies, our eighties and our nineties. And so, you know, and it gets, it gets harder. Uh, And one of the things that we've got to, pay attention to is that as we get older, it gets more and more important to be consistent. Because when we stop exercising for a period of time, it takes a lot longer to get back just to where we were. So it's really important that we try to have a very consistent routine for as long as possible. It's way easier to keep what you've got than to get what you've got back after 90 days of being sedentary, for example. Mm.
0: Yeah. I think that's very well said. Um, I, I can't agree more. I think that's great. You talk a little bit about, um, your nutrition recommendations. You talk about what you call the undiet, which I think is really interesting. What are some guiding principles that you see helpful in the, on the nutrition side of things for anti-aging?
1: Yeah. Now that undiet uh, would take a lot of time to explain, but it's. But I'm going to read you the seven principles, but I've also got a download on my website, dirobi.com that I don't want to forget to mention because we, we just finished putting a lot of time and effort into it, just a simple 10-page ebook uh, that's free on the website. And I would encourage people to read that because it's taking everything I learned from over 100,000 weight loss customers combined with what I learned in precision nutrition into something simple that anyone can do. And so let me read the seven to you. And if you want to dive deeper, you can go to dirobi.com and download the book and, you know, get more on each principle, but and I, I'll I read just the seven. To, it, let
0: me, let me jump in just real quick and say to the listener, do exactly what Dave just said. I cannot believe how many free resources you have on your website that are super, super well done. So uh, why you did those for free? I'm not exactly sure, but they are amazing. They're really well done. <laughs>
1: Well, they're done to support our customers. So we, we you know, we have a successful business with a lot of customers, and we appreciate them. I'm trying to give them back everything I possibly can and help support them. Because like I said, my customers are buying supplements. And so what I'm trying to provide them is everything else. Okay, great. I'm glad you're buying my supplements. And now here's some ideas to help you be more fit. Here's some ideas to eat a little bit better and so on. So that's why we do them. It's to It's to support the people that are supporting us. Um, So let me read you the seven and then I'll just let you jump in and go whatever direction you want. So um, number one, do not drink calories. Try to make water your primary drink. Number two, eat very slowly and mindfully. Number three, practice intermittent fasting. Number four, eat a combination of carbs, fat protein with every meal and try to get five to nine servings of veggies a day. So that's your macro nutri- nutrients right there in number four. Number five is observe a simple supplement strategy. Number six is exercise every day, seven days a week. And number seven is get seven to nine hours sleep every night.
0: Mm. I love how simple all of those are. Those are not terribly complicated. The one I really wanted to deep dive into with you is uh, number three, the intermittent fasting. Can you explain why that is helpful with aging, and maybe some practical tips for somebody who would like to start?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, our bodies anciently, uh, you know, it, it's not very long ago in human history that we didn't have refrigerators or freezers, right? And so the ability to go into a house and and or go into your kitchen, open the fridge at ten o'clock at night, grab something and eat it is a very new thing in human history. Our ancient ancestors who were hunter gatherers lived by the cycles of the moon and the sun. And it took them a little while when they got up in the morning to eat their first meal. And then as the sun started to go down, their body started to slow down. The melatonin hormone starts to rise. And then we assume that they slept, you know, went to bed earlier and got better sleep uh, than we do now. Now, Basically, we're just kind of returning to natural circadian rhythms when we postpone eating in the morning and when we stop eating after dinner. Now, I'll tell you the most simple way I know of to do this, and that is to not eat any food before 10 o'clock in the morning and don't eat anything after six o'clock at night, seven o'clock at the latest. When you do that, the amount of good things that happen in your body is too many to even list or count. First of all we're supporting our hormones. After we stop eating at dinner time, our body spends a lot of energy. Our body spends most of its energy digesting food and running the brain, two very important things. But the problem is we're overloading our digestive system. We're making it work all the time, right? But when it gets to go to work and then has fully digested the food by the time we go to sleep, then we haven't dis- disrupted the hormones by eating late at night and raising our blood sugar levels. Instead, our blood sugar level is down, our melatonin has risen, we get drowsy, we go to sleep. While we're sleeping, the body isn't having to spend that time on digestion. Instead, it has the energy to get rid of pathogens, carcinogens and toxins from the blood. So it's cleansing. Meantime, in the early morning hours, our testosterone's rising, our estrogen's rising, our HGH is rising, and our blood sugar is very low. That state is a state that we want to maintain for a while. It's an excellent state to exercise in. For example, of course, we want to stay hydrated. Principle number one: drink lots of water. So we drink a lot of water during this time. Also, I add electrolytes and um, and salt to my water because uh, to compensate for that that sodium. Right? So it's not like you can't eat anything or take in any calories at all. There's a few things that are that are good to take. I even take some supplements uh, during that time. But then we've postponed that first meal till about 10 o'clock in the morning. So our body has had all those hours to process, to cleanse, to get rid of, like I said, carcinogens, pathogens, toxins. And now we eat that first meal and our blood sugar rises, right? The estrogen and testosterone production is going down. And we're now in a state, it's ready for action, ready to get through the day. And so intermittent fasting supports all the other principles that I've talked about. It creates a really great environment for exercise. Uh, For longevity, it means that we have more time that our body is able to process all our food correctly and get rid of all those toxins. We live in a highly toxic environment. We're breathing in toxins. We're eating toxins um there there's uh in packaged food um you know there's antibacterials that are not good for our gut and so we have better gut health we have better and cleaner blood we have a more focused mind right there there's so many good things that happen from that one simple health habit that it's it's hard to oversell it
0: mm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you and I were probably brought up in the same religion that involved a 24-hour fast one day per month. And basically what that turned into was one day of pure hell and 29 days of dreading the next one. (laughs) And, yeah. and I remember just being absolutely miserable trying to do these fasts. And I would, I would sometimes cheat and like couldn't get through it all the way. And now it's so funny. Like I do it almost on a daily basis, but I, I usually eat one, maybe two meals a day. Um, you know, I have more food when I eat, but it's so funny how this thing that has been so horrible and terrible that I hated it so much has become something so enjoyable and honestly, like really easy and convenient and pretty inexpensive when you're not buying all these meals and snacks all the time. Well, it's interesting that you
1: bring in uh, the religious aspect. So anciently, we know that that fasting is a spiritual part of many dis- different disciplines. Um, Hindus fast, Buddhists fast, uh, Buddhists eat two meals a day. As a matter of fact, that's a very interesting thing. The Buddha himself, I don't know how he figured this out, but 2,500 years ago, the Buddha taught his followers to eat two meals a day, exactly accomplishing intermittent fasting, right? <laughs> the, the, the Dalai Lama who's lived to be quite old and is currently, uh, still alive, uh, has eaten two meals a day, his entire life, one at about noon and one at dinner time. So it's a very interesting thing that Buddhism picked this up very naturally. Hindus fast, um, Christians fast. And so anciently it was understood that this would support your spirituality. Uh, and, and I believe that also, I, I mentioned earlier, I, I've, picked up a habit of, of meditation about five years ago. Actually, it's probably been six years now that I've, I've had a daily practice of meditation and it's been one of the best habits I ever started. And I have noticed also that when it comes to spiritual matters or how I feel spiritually, and even some of the experiences I've had uh, during, during fasting um, it does seem to me from personal experience that on an empty stomach, I I'm sharper mentally. I I feel more connected. And those spiritual feelings that we have of, of connectedness of love, compassion, I do believe are enhanced through fasting. And so when you're doing it every single day, you're starting off your day on a higher level in every way, uh, physically, mentally, spiritually. And so, so when you, when you combine that, if you add the habit of meditation and then fitness, and then don't eat that. And then and, and for me as an entrepreneur, the morning hours are very important. I have people offshore that do a lot of work for us. My accountant is in Pakistan, and I've got people that do a variety of different projects for me in India and in the Philippines. And and I do a lot of, of touching base with those people in the morning. And that's we get a lot of planning done and figuring out problems and, and troubleshooting things in the business And I feel mentally I'm at my best in the afternoon. I start to feel more tired, a little more lethargic. And I like to do tasks like check my email or anything that's reactive, right? Anything that doesn't involve my very best mental self. I just put that to the afternoon. The morning is for creativity, doing my most important things, touching base with other people. And I think that's true for most people. So that's another area where all of these things are synergistic, where when you combine the concept of, of, you know, getting up early with your hormones perfectly balanced and your body's kind of cleanse itself and you've got really great energy. That's kind of the best time of day for a lot of people might as well take advantage of that and, 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 you know, implement these healthy habits into that time,
0: man, I, I'm so happy that you went there. I'm so happy that you said that I could not agree more with what you said. I, 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 was very surprised, like I felt like I had a good diet for a lot of my life, but when I started fasting, there was a definite and very noticeable increase in what I would call spirituality and gratitude and presence and and joy, just joy from very simple, you know, what I would have thought is like mundane things, Bring me so much more joy now. And it's so interesting to hear about how all of those components work together, like you said, synergistically to, to give that result. So I'm so glad that you said that. And I have to say, I I completely agree with you. This, um, this to me is just pure speculation. I, I have a hunch that there's something to this, but I would love to hear what you have to say. Is there any way that mindfulness has a role in aging? Well,
1: yes. And there's science to back that up. Uh, One of the things that we find about mindfulness and meditation is that stress levels drop. We, all of us as human beings, deal with something called fight-or-flight syndrome. I'm sure that's not new to anyone listening. We actually have a hormone called cortisol, which is the fight-or-flight hormone. And anciently, let's go back to those hunter-gatherer forebears of ours. Imagine them around a a fire and a lion pops up, right? A hungry lion uh, rears its head, roars. And those people split second without even thinking about it, have to decide, do we fight the lion or run away? Now, chances are they run away very, very quickly, right? And as they're doing that, that cortisol has gone nuts, right? It is through the roof. Everything physiologically has changed within their body. The heart rate starts to pound very hard. The legs are running and everything is geared up and wired and changed from sitting very still in a really nice, state, by the fire, to being in an all-out sprint with the heart rate racing and the cortisol up. Now, what's happened in modern society is that we have all types of triggers throughout the day that are triggering our fight or flight. Some of them we're doing to ourselves. For example, reading the news or checking social media for many people can become a very negative experience. Politics has become something that everyone is interested in, everyone has an opinion on, and everyone is completely right about (laughs) <laughs> and, and they, they, they love their, their political, um, leader and they hate the other one. And that's the way it is. And any discussion leads to all kinds of argument back to the whole tribalism thing we started with. Right. And what we're doing to ourselves is we're living in a constant state of stress with raised cortisol. And that shortens our lifestyle. I, I mean, our lifespan. It, it does. We know this from science people who have hormones that are functioning correctly, as I mentioned before, that are rising when they should rise, lowering when they should lower, they're living more in a state of peace. They are able to function better now and people with lower stress, uh, you know, stress wears us out. Stress wears us down physically and and mentally. And stress management is a, a very important part not only of longevity, but of quality of life right now. And so hey, you know being proactive, uh, you know one of the things I encourage people to do is make their social media and news window the exact same as their eating window for this very reason. Too many people wake up in the morning and they want to know what's happening in the world. They want to know what's happening with all of their friends. you know, that's fine. You can find, you know, just postpone that a few hours is all I'm saying. We don't have to know that right this second, right? The very first thing we fill our mind with in the morning doesn't have to be all the tragedies of the world. I'm fine with fighting all the tragedies of the world and being a great citizen, I get all that. But I don't want to be thinking about it twenty four seven, right? Or I'm no good to anybody if I'm just completely wired and negative most of the time. And unfortunately, That's how too many people are living right now. So a mindfulness and meditation habit, to me, you know, brings more peace into your life. Uh, It it improves your health. It lowers your stress. And and yeah, we're going to live longer and happier if we implement that habit into our life or into our life. Wow.
0: Yeah. What you, what you just described was me. Um, and definitely like early on in the pandemic, trying to figure out what the hell was going on, like listening to news podcasts and trying to gather information. It, it does put you in that negative state. And we just recently took a vacation to Mexico where I decided like, I'm not going to open social media. I'm going to turn off my notifications, which that alone is a very simple kind of challenging, but a really simple thing to do is just turn off notifications. You don't need to see that red dot popping up, telling you that something needs to pull your attention. And guess what happened while we were on vacation? the world kept spinning. Everything was just fine. Everything <laughs> around me is just fine. Like you're right. It's so easy to get trapped in those things that puts you in that negative state when you know what, none of it is really a problem for you personally right now in this second.
1: Yeah. There, there's another theory here and that goes back to hunter gatherer days that people can't form really solid, lasting, meaningful relationships with more than about 150 people 150, and yes, social science, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and social scientists estimate that was about the size, you know, it's not a perfect science, but maybe there's groups of 50, maybe a hundred, maybe 150 or 200, but roughly average of 150 is the maximum we can handle and perform in and support. Right. And there is a theory that that people who have thousands of friends uh, simply cannot have meaningful relationships with thousands of friends and that we should kind of change our behavior on social media to make sure that we're enhancing the relationships with those people most important to us, our own. I, I mean, look, <laughs> what a, what a, what kind of a paradox is it when two people who love each other, like you know, two partners, life partners, are sitting beside each other, both looking at their phones, reacting with people somewhere else. They don't even know where.
0: Oh, exactly, right? all the time, happens all the time. <laughs> Right. It, it, it's it, it's a little
1: bit bizarre. Now, if they've agreed to do that, they're just taking a break from each other and they go and check into the world. I'm not saying we can never look at our phone and I'm not saying people shouldn't have a smartphone or any of those things. I enjoy my smartphone as much as anybody else. It's just a no matter of what you said. It's the simple things. Turn off the notifications. Uh, don't look at it first thing in the morning, whatever you do. I mean, I, I'll I'll promise anyone listening that if you change your habit, from looking at your phone first thing in the morning, and then going on with whatever else you're going to do to meditating first thing in the morning, and then exercising. You try that for 90 days and then tell me it didn't change your entire life. I promise
0: you it will. I love that. Yeah. I just absolutely couldn't agree more. That's very well said, man. Okay. So normally I would ask you, um, one of your favorite success stories, um, you have hundreds and thousands of people that you've worked with. I, I'm going to flip the question a little bit and I'm going to talk about you as a success story. We bring people on all the time and I tell them, let's just assume that you're wrong about everything. You, you, you miss the science, you have no idea what the hell you're talking about, you're completely wrong, why would I not just look at you as a person and say, wow, this dude has tons of enthusiasm, he's really fit, he seems really happy, um, he's willing to share information, a lot of it free, a lot of it on this show, and he's thriving and kicking ass and doing really well. Like, what are some of the things that you have noticed specifically in your life by implementing these things? And I'm talking like, what kinds of rewards have you yourself gotten as a success story by implementing some of the health? and wellness, things that you recommend?
1: Well, to, first of all, there's a reward every single day. I'm, I'm one of the few lucky people on this planet that loves what I do. I, and I feel sorry for people who don't. And if you're in a situation where, you know, life is tough and you don't have a job that you enjoy or something like that, I really feel for you. And I hope you can find a way to change that. Um, because to me, these rewards are daily every morning when I wake up, like I told you about my workout this morning, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It may sound boring or awful to someone else to row and then do pull-ups and push-ups, right? To me, it's rewarding. I know what it's doing for me. It feels good when I do it. And I know that, you know, it's increasing my lifespan and it's improving my current life. Like I said, I love to golf. And when I'm strong and flexible and sharp, I play golf a lot better. And that in itself is super rewarding. I'm teaching my four-year-old grandson to golf. And that's one of the funnest things ever. That's awesome. Uh, he, he, yeah. I mean, we go out and and a couple of weeks ago, you know, uh, his dad's on the other side of the cart and he's in between us. He's got a little tiny set of clubs in the in the basket and he can only hit the ball about 30 yards. And so he'll hit it about 30 yards three or four times and we'll pick up his ball and drive and go up to the uh, our balls. And it's just a blast. And he wanders around the putting green, hitting the ball all over the place. Uh, But, you know, this this issue of gracefully becoming older, but as healthily healthily as possible and enjoying my own children and now their children, you know, to me, that's what it's really about. I'm, I'm very much a family person and I want to be there for my family. And I, like I said, I can't be there for them If I get very sick, they got to come be here for me and take care of me. And of course, who knows what can happen and what life will bring? Accidents can happen. There's times we need to be taken care of. But as much as possible, I don't want to be a person who has to be taken care of. I want to be a person helping other people and contributing in society and doing what I love. And so the rewards are intrinsic and they're every single day.
0: Man, that, yeah, perfectly said. I just, I, the way you lit up talking about golfing with your grandson, it, that reward is intrinsic. Like what else could you possibly want? That's that's incredible. Man, you, you do such a great job of taking, you know, principles that can sometimes be complicated, but you can, you can kind of filter it down to make them really, really simple. And they're really easy to understand. They're really easy to implement. I would love to know from this conversation, we've gone in a lot of different directions. It's been really wonderful to learn from you. What is one simple takeaway you think that a, a person could have from this conversation that above anything else they could apply in their life and see benefit immediately?
1: You know, I, I've distilled what I think is my very best stuff, uh, which by the way, I didn't invent a single thing. I've just processed, I've just had a lot of experience and done a lot of reading and had a lot of customers give me their feedback on what works and what doesn't work, et cetera. And, and, um, that, that book, I told you of dirobi.com download that book. Like I said, it's only 10 pages and, um, there are things in there that we dive deeper into than I did right here, but I, I feel like that's the best thing I have to offer anybody, um, Currently, you know, I wrote a book a few years ago called Formula Seven that was kind of the precursor to this, but it's evolved. Like you, I do a podcast, and to me, you know, having podcast interviews uh, on a regular basis has been such an education. For example, I didn't used to include sleep on there. Sleep is is fairly new in the whole fitness and health world uh, that we need to focus on. It used to be that. Uh, we taught everyone to burn the candle at both ends and go to bed late and get up early and conquer the world and blah, blah, blah. We didn't realize how much we were hurting people and that they're much more effective when they got seven to nine hours of sleep. So the very latest, greatest, best stuff I have is in that 10 page guide.
0: That's great. We'll make sure we link to that in the notes. Is there anything else you are working on for the future?
1: Yeah, I'm working on a new supplement that I'm super excited about. As a matter of fact, it's been three years in the, in the making, and it's based on a principle of, of um, passive immunity. Uh, some scientists, uh, oh, this has got to be probably 10 years ago now, uh, discovered how um, chickens pass immunity onto the, the uh, chicks. And they started experimenting with, if they injected the, the, the hens with certain immune properties, Know similar to vaccination, right? Like, um, in a vaccination, they give you a tiny bit of something. Your body overcomes it, and then it can fight it, right? Yep. Um, And what they found is they could give the any immunity they give the chicken, the chicken would give to the chick. It's quite the so the the chicken they could develop these like super strength chicks that wouldn't get sick of any of these things because of the passive immunity. And they've developed a product. And we'll be introducing that later this year. So I'm really excited about that. It's a powder drink uh, that was based on that original science, and then is, is developed for humans with this passive immunity. It's not so much antiviral; it's more of a gut product. It's more of a giving you, um, you know, those th- nutrients and things that you need to get your right gut bacteria in order and have a great, you know, digestive ecosystem. And so I'm pretty excited about that. Not even sure what I'm going to call it yet. So I probably shouldn't have even uh, announced it, but, uh, <laughs> uh, if you want to get on our list and look for that product, um, you know, it's going to be something like Dairobi immuno egg, or I don't know, nice. but it Di- 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 Dirobi immune, it'll be something like that. It'll be an immunity product, but, but, but really, I think it's going to do wonders for people's digestive systems.
0: That's amazing. That's super cool man, this has been just a great conversation. I've really learned a lot. You said this before, but tell us again, where can people go to find you and your work and connect with you?
1: Yeah, great. So dirobi, D I R O B I.com. As you mentioned on the resources page, you can get not only the book that I mentioned, there's several other great resources there. So have a look around that for sure. I do have the dirobi health show. So if you want to check out my podcast, uh, Casey, you and I are very, very similar in our thinking and in our interviews and getting people on. So, if you like Casey's podcast, you would probably like mine. It's very, very similar. And so, if you want to add another podcast to your uh, listening routine, you could check out the Dairobi Health Show. And really, you'll find everything there. We do have a, a, we're really working hard on our YouTube channel. I have quite a few good videos up there now. And we're trying to produce new videos every month. So, those of you who, Love YouTube. Check out Dairobi Health at YouTube. And that's probably about it.
0: Wow, that's great. We will link to all of that in the show notes. I cannot recommend enough that you, the that are, you know our listeners go over to the website, download the resources they're, they're fantastic, and your, your podcast is amazing. You do a really great job. You ask really interesting questions from great guests, and so we're so grateful that you do that. Dave Sherwin, thank you so very much for everything that you do and everything that you've shared with us and and shared with the listeners and we just we, we're so grateful for you and, and your time today to come onto our show. So thank you so very much.
1: It's been great. I really appreciate your interview style and the questions you've asked. It's been thoughtful and interesting and and a lot of fun.
0: Thanks so much. And it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for coming on. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.